This is the beginning of the end of the sun god. What are you talking about? Oh, don't you see? If I could start the destruction of everything that's evil here, then everything that is good would survive when Cortez lands. But you can't rewrite history. Not one line. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we will be watching The Aztecs. That's right. The Aztecs was written by John Lucarotti, who is another returning uh, writer. He's the one who wrote Marco Polo. Directed by John Crockett and produced by Verity Lambert. It aired May 23rd, 1964 through June 13th, 1964. Right after we got done recording the end of Keys of Marinus, you asked me how afraid you should be if this particular episode is going to be... Really racist. Super racist. From what I remember, I think you don't have to worry a whole lot. Looking up the trivia... Uh, I, I was going to save this for later, but I'll. But to put your mind at ease, it seems John Lucarotti um, spent uh, a lot of his childhood growing up in Mexico and was always fascinated with Aztec culture. So he was excited to do a bunch of research for this episode. So and the costume designer Daphne Dare, great name by the way, had to take had to take a lot of creative liberties when designing the costumes, but she tried to make it as accurate. To the culture as possible without just having tits out <laughs> oh okay <laughs> so so i think i think we're good okay we'll see but that does give me a little bit of hope but uh given your knowledge of doctor who so far and given the title of the aztecs what do you think this episode's going to be about this is obviously when Doctor Who is going to attempt to loot the city of El Dorado, <laughs> which maybe I'm showing my racism because I don't know if that's mine or Aztec. I think it's Aztec, but... I'm pretty sure it's Aztec. I'm going to Google it. Okay. It's, it's specifically the... I'm going to butcher this. It's the term used by the Spanish Empire to describe the mythical chief of the Musca tribe. Me, yeah, I'm just going to say Musca. The Musca tribe were part of the four big tribes of the Americas, Aztec, Maya, Inca, and Musca. Okay. So, no, I was wrong, but... You were wrong, but, you know, it's in that ballpark. Yeah, but it's in that region. So you think that this episode is going to be them trying to loot the City of Gold? Yeah, I'm still going to double down on El Dorado. While I'm pretty sure that's not what happens, um, I will say... There are some similarities between the plot of the Aztecs and the plot of the DreamWorks movie Road to El Dorado. So you have <laughs> that to look forward to. Man, doesn't mean there's a big giant panther stone monster. There might be. I'll take it. 1964? Yeah, absolutely. They could afford that. I mean, they've done a bunch of other stuff they couldn't really afford to do. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Well, that seems even quicker than usual, but do we have anything else we want to talk about or do we want to just jump right in now let's get into it i don't have anything to say all right then with that we will see you all in the future let's get going
I love how I'm doing my Zoidberg sound, even though we have a, a sound for transitioning. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was five days for us. Yeah, it was pretty quick this time. Yeah, only four episodes long. Nice. See, I, I told you, the the four episodes is just like the sweet spot in terms of how long a Doctor Who episode should be. Chef's kiss. Indeed. Before we really get into it, Caleb, overall, I mean, we were literally just talking about how you haven't really gotten your thoughts together, but overall, what'd you think of the Aztecs? <sighs> overall, I, I think I'm still trying to process how I feel about it. Because I walked away from it. I walked away from every single episode being like, that was kind of like, meh. So I thought my overall impression was meh. But the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, structurally, it's a lot better. Uh, there was some payoff that I liked. There's a lot of things I really didn't like either. But uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to talk about it before I can really decide whether or not I have a strong opinion on this episode. I understand that. We got we to gotta talk it through. Got to talk it through. Then we'll be able to solidify our thoughts. Just a couple of quick trivia notes. Uh, this is the very first episode of Doctor Who deal with the idea of changing history. We'll see how well that goes. The way you said that makes it sound like it's not going to go very well at all. I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, this is also the very first episode to have any sort of romantic subplot involving the Doctor. Not the last. Luckily, it won't be for a while before we have to deal with that again. <laughs> You made it sound like it was bad. This is one of my favorite parts of the story. <laughs> Honest, no, honestly. <laughs> honestly, the romance that's in this episode is better than half the romances that are in New Who. <laughs> uh, that's great. Okay. Should I just dive right into the... I mean, I guess we just dive right in, sure. I guess we'll just dive right in. Okay. My wonderful, beautiful synopsis is starting with episode one, The Temple of Evil. The travelers find themselves in a mysterious tomb with a crypt in the center of the room. Barbara and Susan open the crypt, and Barbara removes and puts on a snake bracelet. Susan stumbles upon a door that opens the tomb, and Barbara heads out as Susan returns to the TARDIS. On the other side, Barbara is met by a man named Otlock and a group of warriors who accuse her of being a trespasser. When he sees the snake bracelet, his mood changes. When the Doctor and Ian and Susan follow Barbara through, they see that she is missing. The door closes behind them and will not open again. Otlock returns to greet the group and tells them that the goddess Yataxa wants to meet with them. Yataxa is of course Barbara, and the Aztecs view her as a reincarnation of the dead priest. The high priest of sacrifice, Latoxel, has his doubts though. Barbara's companions are granted access to the city, but Ian must be trained to lead their army and Susan is taken off to the seminary thing. While wandering the city, the doctor meets a woman named Kamika and instantly gets horny. He talks her into setting up a meeting with the son of the temple's architect so he can learn how to access the tomb once again. The episode ends with a human sacrifice to bring rain. Barbara tries to stop it, but the to-be-sacrificed man kills himself anyway. Barbara wants the Aztecs to stop their bloody rituals, and Latoxel vows to prove she is a false goddess. So before we get into it, one common thread you're going to see in a lot of my notes is i fucking love to toxel i think he's the best villain we've had so far john crockett who was the director 
he gave John Ringham, the guy who plays Doxel, the single solitary acting note of make all of the children of the world hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he pulled it off beautifully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's pretty he's pretty evil. He also looks exactly like Kefka from Final Fantasy VI. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> I was thinking that the entire time. He looks and acts just like Kefka. <laughs> when I looked at the makeup across the lips, I was like, hmm, I've seen this somewhere before. <laughs> you may have also seen this makeup from uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. <laughs> basically the same thing. All three basically the same character. Do you remember what I said to you at the beginning of this podcast episode? This story has a lot in common with the movie The Road to El Dorado. Yeah, and you were... <laughs> Barbara immediately being, oh, she must be a god. Okay, cool. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it is a lot like the movie El Dorado. The only difference is, like, they're not trying to pull off a scam to get a whole bunch of gold. The Doctor's just trying to get laid for three episodes. You know, <laughs> he is and he isn't. Because I don't think he's trying to get laid, but he's clearly, at least in the beginning just using this woman in order to be able to figure out how to get in back into the crypt. But yeah, I think this is the first time that doctors had an excuse to flirt and he's taking full advantage of it. Yeah. I mean, I want to say, I want to say like, that's like, well, at least like after he starts talking to her about like when Otlock is like showing him the garden or whatever, mm -hmm. like he sees Kamika. I mean, like, uh, the doctor straight was like, he just like does like a 180. He's like, Whoa, <laughs> that's true. Who's that babe? And then, and then she's like, oh, my husband was the architect. And then he's like, oh, okay, I can, I can work with this. I can work with this. Yes. Okay. 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 Well, no, in my head canon, he's driven purely by horniness for at least the first episode. Yeah. I mean, you know, bonus is a bonus. So every episode, I'm not sure if you've noticed this pattern yet, uh, they have to address the issue of why don't they just leave? They have to separate them from the TARDIS somehow. And I like... In that in the Aztecs, they are both physically separated from the uh, TARDIS, but also they have to like play social chess in order to get back into that crypt without anybody getting suspicious. It, the episode does solve like the re recurring issue of why aren't they focusing on what they're supposed to be doing? Because Barbara kind of gets a god complex you mean well i mean i mean that's what i'm saying this episode does solve that because in the last episode like in the like in the second episode of keys to marinus one of my the, the things i said was they show up to this place and they just immediately fall for it and in my mind i was like why aren't they doing what they're supposed to be doing hmm. but this episode solves that by giving them all these like kind of complex things they have to do on top of trying to figure out how to get back into the tardis yeah and that that's one of the things that um I just realized that what I was about to say, I'm not sure it actually jumps off of what you were about to say. <laughs> yeah, because the thing you said well, it was great. Anyway. Anyway, on to the more important topic. But yeah, I, I agree. Even though, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of just bond the sense of like, I mean, I don't know anything about Aztecs, I guess. If like God has showed up, I would make her like manservant, the general of my army. I mean, it makes sense, kind of, I guess. If you have, if someone is directly directly associated with this god and this man doesn't look like a science teacher at all he must be a warrior let's put him with the warriors but this is one of the things that i love about tatoxel is that he's clear he already has like suspicions about barbara at the very beginning and so by you by using his own 
government and traditions, he puts Ian on the front line with the warriors, and the doctor is put off into this retirement sanctuary. Yeah, it's like a nursing home. Yeah, so he can just like, so he uses his own society's customs to like get some chess pieces off the board kind of thing, which is something that I, I like about him. <laughs> <laughs> I like Tataxel, or Latoxel, however you say his name. I like him because he hunches over the whole time like an evil person. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I So on the DVD, they actually had interviews with um, the uh, still living actors who were in this show, who were in this episode. And um, the John Ringham uh said that he was giving it like a like a richard the third kind of thing where he like had like a hunch and like never at any point would he was he have a would he have a straight straight spine anytime he was playing that character well he did that exceedingly well (laughs) yeah (laughs) i also love how tatoxo brings ian down to meet their greatest warrior ixta and ixta is like decked out in all this warrior garb and this leather armor and he's been practicing with weapons and Toxel's just like this man will be replacing you and Ian's just there with his button up tucked in (laughs) t-shirt he looks so lame yeah thank god he became a master warrior in 10 days thank god (laughs) we'll get to that (laughs) (laughs) on the note of lame the fight choreography in general of the aztecs is um is not good let's call it stiff let's let's be charitable and call it stiff i'm gonna be charitable in the sense of the fight choreography has gotten better it has gotten better it's still not good (laughs) i think i think what's hilarious about it is not even so much that like it's clumsy or like they're doing like weird fight moves i guess it's just the fact Mm -hmm. that it's so slow (laughs) like you can see the actors just like slowing themselves down and it's mm, that's classic it it feels like i mean granted they only had like a couple of days to rehearse every episode so this makes sense but it honestly does feel like early rehearsal fight choreography Mm -hmm. i've been in enough shows where there are there's stage combat to know what early rehearsal stage combat (laughs) looks like and that's it (laughs) yeah it's something this is going way back to the beginning of the episode, but I want to make a note of it. And I think you can kind of hear in the way I described it. But why the fuck does Barbara put on a dead man's bracelet? Because it looks pretty. It looks pretty. Something like that. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But, like, I'm a guy. I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty pretty cis-leaning guy, I think. I would never touch a fucking corpse's jewelry, though. Because the mummy hadn't come out yet, and she didn't know any better. Uh, I guess. I just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not touching anyone's dead shit. No, no. You see you see a tomb of a long dead priest, and you're like, nah, I'm just going to stand over here in the corner, thanks. Yeah, I, I guess that's also my complaint of the episode. If I came out of the target, I was like, hmm, this is a dead person's place. All right, bind it back up. Let's try again. <laughs> I feel I feel like what they should really do just to kind of like write off this whole uh, why don't they just leave thing. They should just say the TARDIS needs to recharge its batteries. Honestly, yeah, that would that would be a good. It's got to go. And then like it's like a maybe sentient brain's got to take a little nap. It's got to recharge. Yeah. God, that's easy. I'm going back in time and writing this show. <laughs> <laughs> My next note is just get it, doctor, which I feel like we've already touched on. <laughs> There, there was a scene, it's kind of like a, 
uh, like a famous scene at this point. Um, Cause whenever you see like a collection of William Hartnell doctor scenes, inevitably there's always going to be the part where the doctor is confronting Barbara here. And he says, you can't rewrite history, not one line because Barbara is like, because Barbara at the very beginning is like, there's more to the Aztecs than just the human sacrifice that everyone remembers it for. So I'm now in a position of power. If I can remove the human sacrifice aspect, there will only be good parts. And I guess everything will be great from here on out after that. I don't know what exactly she's expecting. And I do really like the confrontation between Barbara being like, we can do some good here. We can change history for the better. And the doctor being like, fucking no, under no circumstances. Is that okay? Yeah. And like, uh, I like it because like, I feel like it's the first episode where they really confront the fact that, you know, they're actually traveling through time. Mm-hmm. Cause like in Marco Polo, even it's just like, Oh, we're just gonna, we're going to hang out. We're going we're gonna to go walk around China and then we're going to get out of here. Yeah. I, I like the fact that the show is like facing the, um, the implications of what it's actually about. Even just outside of a um, time-traveling perspective, it's kind of like with um, Ping Cho and the uh, arranged marriage from Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. Like, from our perspective, uh, from our modern-day perspective, yeah, we've got a lot of issues with that. It may seem even wrong from our perspective, but to these people, it's a cornerstone of their culture. It's not our right. We have no right to interfere with that and to say that it's wrong just because it's different from ours. So when in Rome, do as the Romans do, you know, like, I don't know, just the idea of, oh, I'm going now that I'm in a position of power, I'm going to impose my worldviews on these people who have had thousands of years of tradition. So did you have any thoughts on the stuff that I was talking about before I was really interrupted? Um, yeah, I would say it kind of leads into like my only kind of complaint about, well, not my only, uh, one of my complaints about the structure and like what the show or like what the episodes addressing is Barbara talks a lot about like, you know, the aspects were so much more than that. They weren't just, you know, bloodthirsty or like there was culture that revolve around human sacrifice. But interesting enough, these episodes, that's all it actually talks about in shows. So I guess I would have liked to see, like, you know, more of the Aztec culture. Or, like, even if it wasn't accurate, like, something trying to portray some other aspect of the society other than the fact that they kill each other to make rain. Yeah, because the only other things I could think of where they did stuff outside of that was Susan being at school and the ancient Aztec retirement home. Mm Mm-hmm. But even then, I don't feel like that's, like enough you know i agree so yeah so i thought it was interesting that like you know they talk about that but the episode itself doesn't really explore anything beyond that that's a good point yeah i do wish they had explored that a little bit more the very 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 end to talk soul is like this is a false goddess i will expose her or whatever he like turns away from her and is like addressing directly to the camera when he says this and my note was shakespearean soliloquies work great on stage (laughs) <laughs> not so much on screen <laughs> i know because on screen it, it just feels like dude she can hear you like <laughs> <laughs> that's not the first instance of like people talking i'll be like that person can hear you there's no way they can't 
Which is also something the Kids of Mariners did. But yeah, I would say overall, like on this episode, I was kind of, this one's the most meh, I think. Hmm. Because I found myself enjoying the other episodes more, but like, I felt like I had to like make myself watch the second episode after this one. So that's fair. Yeah, I, I think it did a good job of like, I was about to say it makes, does a good job of setting up, but that's what every episode one should do. Setting up both the physical barrier and the social one of getting back towards the TARDIS. But yeah, I can definitely understand what you mean when you say that the next several episodes are better. Also, I don't know if we've addressed this yet, um, but at least in my remembering, did Susan have a freak out this time? I feel like this might be the first time. I say I don't remember. She gets all, uh, she gets, um, you know, pretty defensive about arranged marriages a couple of times, but. She's a little bit of one, but it's not really like a Susan freak out TM. It's more like a Susan freak out light. But uh, the the main reason is uh, you might have noticed that Susan's not in this episode very often. And the reason for that is because just like uh, William Hartnell had a um, a vacation during the filming of the Keys of Marinus, Carolyn Ford went on vacation during the filming of the Aztecs. And any appearance that she made in episodes two and three were actually pre-recorded during rehearsals for Keys of Marinus. Hmm. Yeah. So there wasn't as much Susan as normal, which is why we didn't get a freak out. If we had had a normal amount of Susan, we absolutely would have gotten a freak out at some point. <laughs> now, that makes me wonder that if like the next two stories, like we'll have one where there's way less Barbara and one where there's way less Ian. Probably. I'm looking forward to the one that has way less Ian, because I think one of my favorite parts of the Keys Marinus was um, the part where Ian was on trial and thus they had no access to him. Yeah. I don't know. I liked Ian in this story. We'll we'll get into that more towards the end because, well, I guess I'll just say it. What I like about Ian's arc is like there, there's almost like this like B plot between the conflict between him and Ixta that builds up to a final conflict. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. That's that's all I have about episode one. Yeah, that's all I have about episode one. It's it's fine. Okay. All right. Moving on to episode two, the Warriors of Death. After the doctor recounts to Barbara his plan to use Kamika to gain access to the tomb, Ian is challenged by Ixta, the man who was supposed to lead the Aztecs before his arrival. Ian says he doesn't need weapons and brute strength to beat Ixta, and gives him a Vulcan nerve pinch to prove it. Otlock and Tataxel believe the move is magic, and Ixta vows that he will not be beaten by Ian again. After bringing in the next human sacrifice, the perfect victim, to see them, he says he wishes the two to fight in single combat. Tataxel says Ixta will be well rewarded if he kills Ian in the conflict. Meanwhile, the doctor asks Kamika again about setting up, setting up a meeting with the architect's son to learn more about the tomb's secrets, and she agrees to set up a meeting for later that day. Susan has precisely one scene where she huffs and puffs about arranged marriages. Kamika meets with Ixta, who is revealed to be the architect's son, and he plans to trick the Doctor into giving him a way to defeat Ian. After meeting with the Doctor and hiding his identity, as well as his opponent, the Doctor concocts a mild poison for Ixta to use against him. When the Doctor realizes his mistake, he tries to stop the fight, but is quickly arrested by Aztec guards for visiting with Barbara. At the fight, Ian holds his own until the Doctor warns him, ironically giving Ixta an opening to use the poison. Ian is overpowering Ixta, but as the poison takes effect, the Aztec warrior gradually overpowers him. The episode ends with Barbara calling for an end to the fight. 
my very first note is did Ian just do a Vulcan death grip? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought too. Uh, I, I, I literally got in the air and looked it up. I was like, can people actually do this? Is that a thing? Did you find anything? <laughs> no, it is not a thing. <laughs> okay, I didn't think it was a thing because it was like, yes, I can defeat you with just my thumb and all my other fingers. <laughs> he just like puts pressure on like the clavicle, like the the um what's the word i'm looking for here the shoulder bump thing between the shoulder bump thing yeah (laughs) she puts pressure there and just like knocks him out (laughs) and i'm like i that can't be a thing i refuse to believe that's a thing (laughs) (laughs) and the fact that like it was magic he just used his thumb and and the the best part about that is it's not even the dumbest thing that happens this episode (laughs) It is not, which is <laughs> impressive. Is impressive the word I'm looking for? <laughs> it's something, that's for sure. And then we get introduced to the perfect victim. And maybe I missed a line of dialogue or something. But I had absolutely no idea who the fuck this guy is. They just kept referring to him as the perfect victim. And he seemed to hold a lot of power. And I had no idea who he was. And it wasn't until like episode four, episode like near the end of episode three that I that they finally said who he was. Did I miss something? No, I don't think you did because I because I didn't hear anything confirming it until episode three like you did. I just kind of like figured it was like his name's the perfect victim. Not a super hopeful name. I assumed he was a human sacrifice. I was like, oh, okay. But I guess this guy's like for some like super sacrifice i guess which i mean i guess he is yeah he's the next uh human sacrifice and like the aztec equivalent of the make-a-wish foundation he can have whatever he wants (laughs) (laughs) but i mean like i don't think they really say it but i think i think the next sacrifice is more significant than like bringing rain or whatever because it's supposed to be during an eclipse those are those don't happen very often that's probably super important that's true yeah but yeah so vulcan death grips a whopping like i don't know like 15 years before they come out no star trek's not that far ahead of this when did star trek come out 70s the 70s yeah yeah okay so like this came out in 64 so like maybe 10 years i think i think they came out early 70s i don't know our next podcast we will watch (laughs) star trek i mean maybe i don't know (laughs) i've I've never watched star trek so i might be down (laughs) in case we need 10 more years of our life dedicated to something next note is just me going on about how i love to toxel and want to have his babies (laughs) i just love how he's willing to play the game to get his way then i write then i wrote down of course ixta would be the son of course he would why wouldn't he be you know what i wonder is like why didn't she just say that like why didn't she tell him before She'll be like, yes, my uh, my lover's son, Ixta. Yeah, they're just playing the pronoun game. We have a scene where Susan is basically like at school and learning about the Aztec culture and really emphasizes just how much she fucking sucks at this whole keeping it on the down low that she's <laughs> not from here thing. Because first she has her outbursts in class in the 20th century and then with Ping Cho and the whole arranged marriage thing. And then again here with um, them saying, yeah, you're going to be arranged for a marriage. She's just like, she just 
has these outbursts, and I'm like, keep a lid on it, Susan. Susan has no chill. She has absolutely no chill whatsoever. If this was like the first adventure, maybe, but this is not the first adventure where she's been a like confronted with the idea of like arranged marriages or forced marriages. Yeah. Um, and not that she should ever accept that as a good thing, but like I don't know, like try not to get yourself killed, Susan. <laughs> Yeah, but also, like, you're in a different time and place, and you're obviously not going to be staying here. It's not like you're actually going to have an arranged marriage. So maybe just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, five seconds. I honestly don't remember much about this episode except everything with Ian in it. Maybe it's because, like, Ian is, like, the main point. <laughs> I think Ian is kind of the focus here because my, the rest of my notes uh, have to deal with Ian in the fight. I guess the only other note I have is, like, when the doctor uh, goes to, like, give Ix that poison or whatever, just not even question it. The guy's like, I have an opponent, and you need to help me defeat him. And the doctor's like, sure, whatever, man. I'm totally willing to help you kill this innocent life that I've never met before. What do I care? It's not like he's a, not, it's not like he's a friend of mine or anything. And then, <laughs> especially, like, because, like, they know there are forces moving against them. Well, do they at this point? I don't know. I would assume so, so... I don't think the doctor does at this point. I mean, he's he's definitely like, hey, Barbara, keep up appearances, because if you don't, we're dead. I'm not sure that he's he's aware of anything actively malicious at this point. Maybe not. I don't know. I might be wrong. Yeah, uh, no, you're you're probably right. I just I don't know. I, I guess he's just like so willing to do it and like so uncritical of the idea of like, hey, maybe this guy that this person's going to kill might have to do with me in some way but i guess that's just splitting hairs maybe like reading too much into it but yes it's hilarious that he's just like yeah whatever man here's your here's your poison stick a needle through a leaf i was a little confused as to what the uh the rules of engagement were in terms of the fight between ian and ixta yeah i was too because like uh when they first said the they were gonna fight i assumed it was to the death yeah and they said that it'll be hand-to-hand combat just a reminder, over the course of the fight, Ixta uses the needle in the plant to cut Ian's wrist, which I feel like there should be some sort of just ruling there of like, hey, you used a weapon, this fight is now officially over. And also, at the uh, end of the fight, he almost bashes Ian's head in with a club. Pretty sure that's not hand-to-hand. <laughs> I guess they were just going to let him do it. They're like, yeah, he won. He's, he's in the moment. And also, can we just talk about how how this fight between the hardened Aztec veteran warrior and the British science teacher is a really even fight? <laughs> Not even even, because it's kind of hilarious, because in the beginning of the fight, Ian is just throwing to this guy to the ground and then just letting him get up. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, A, I don't understand how. B, I, even in the scenario where, like, Ian is the tough guy and he can throw this guy down, right? Why is it when Ian throws him down, he just lets him get back up? I mean, I guess it's because Ian doesn't want to kill him. I don't know. He didn't seem too upset about, like, just straight up knocking him out earlier. True. Or, But even if he just did that, he just knocked him to the ground and then did the thing again. He had plenty of time. Help me out here, because I only watched a couple of episodes. Wasn't there, sh- like, a show on sci-fi or G4 or something or the history channel where it was like takes two great warriors from history and like 
analyzes their fighting capabilities and weapons and stuff and sees who would win in a fight. Yes, that does exist. It was on Spike TV, which I don't think is a thing anymore. Okay, it was on Spike. Okay, yeah. I did not watch a lot of that show, but I watched enough to know that Aztec warriors were badass as fuck. Pretty sure they'd be able to take a <laughs> British science teacher from the mid-20th century, is all I'm saying. Hey, you saw Ian working out in the episode. He was training. He was getting ready. Yeah, time. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> For sure, man. But no, that's hilarious. In any other scenario, I'd say, ah, oh, it's brains over brawn. But that's not the case. Ian is throwing this guy over his shoulder. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's outright brawn. So maybe, I don't know, maybe Ian was in like the military or something. Maybe. I mean, it might have no, been. We'll have, we'll have the headcanon it. Ian, Ian was a fucking black ops agent. Because he departed with the doctor in 63. How old do you think he was? Like oh, early, early 30s? Yeah, I was going to say mid 30s. Okay, then he probably wasn't old enough to be in World War II because that was in the 40s. So, yeah, n never mind. <laughs> no, hard pass. <laughs> um, I just have one last note. I really, 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 really like that the Doctor... Well, yes, the Doctor interfering in Ian's fight basically proved Ian's downfall. I like that the Doctor did try to interfere in Ian's fight to try and save his life because think back to episode one of an unearthly child. The doctor absolutely would have just let Ian die if it meant he could get back to his TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I like that there's, there's been, you know what that is? It's growth. See, I have, I have the opposite. I have a secret head cannon where the doctor still hates Ian and is still trying <laughs> to get him killed. <laughs> it's just hilarious like the way he grabs his wrist like pulls it out and he's like Ian don't let him stick you with this <laughs> don't let him cut here cut you right here where I'm putting this dotted line <laughs> yeah so in my head cannon uh, the doctor's still trying to get Ian killed <laughs> alright fair enough and I'm basing that on actually everything that happens <laughs> All right, uh, that's that's all I had for episode two. Did you have anything else? No, not in particular. Uh, the fight is kind of hilarious. Um, all the logic. I love the fact that that doctor purposefully gets Ian stuck with a needle. <laughs> um, and then we move on to episode three, which, if I remember correctly, might be one of the stronger episodes. Probably not. I, uh, I don't know. We'll read it and we'll find out. Let's find out. Episode three, if I can find my beginning. The Bride of Sacrifice. Tataxel demands that Barbara proves she is Tataxa by stopping the fight herself. She does this by holding a knife to Tataxel's throat and telling him to call off the fight. He does so and everyone scatters. Barbara tries to convince Otlock that the human sacrifices must end and that she has seen the end of the Aztec civilization. Meanwhile, Tataxel talks to the doctor about why he helped Ixta, and the doctor ends the conversation by saying Tataxel can prove Yataxa's authenticity by helping them get inside the tomb. Back with Ian, he now has a bromance with Ixta. As the two leave together, he hears Tataxel conspiring with another priest, Tanila, to poison Yataxa to prove she is mortal. After the doctor accidentally proposes to Kamika by having hot chocolate, Ian makes his way to Barb to warn her. When Tataxel and Tanila appear with their poisonous brew, Barbara commands the priest to drink it first. When he doesn't, she calls them liars and threatens Tataxel to never betray her again. 
She then gives up her only leverage by saying she isn't Yataxa. Yataxa d- develops a new scheme when he overhears Atlock and Tanilla talking about how strong-headed Susan is and how abhorred she is by the idea of arranged marriages. When the perfect victim says he wants to marry Susan for his final days, she refuses and is arrested. Barbara is dismayed when she learns her brutal punishment will come before the sacrifice and she cannot intervene on it. That night, the Doctor and Ian sneak into the garden at night. The Doctor has learned that the tomb's architect disappeared in the garden one night and a symbol on the wall matches the walls of the tomb. The stone comes away easily, but when Ian enters, Ixta appears and replaces it, trapping Ian inside as the tunnel fills with water. Man, that was a mouthful. That was a big synopsis. Yeah, a lot, ha- a lot happened in this episode. Let's talk about the fact that Barbara starts it in the best way possible. Yeah, I mean, he's like, if you're really, if you're really Yatoxa, you'll stop the fight. How will you do it? She's like, she pulls a knife on him. <laughs> That's one of those meme moments where like, she's got the knife up to his throat and he's all scared. And they're like, it's because I'm ruthless. Like those pixelated <laughs> sunglasses come down. It was, it was a pretty, pretty cool move of her. There, you wanted me to stop the fight. Here you are. <laughs> Barb just straight just thinking about fuck sometimes, and I love it. I like how the doctor is trying to play every single angle he can in order to get into the tomb, whether it's using Ixta or with Tatoxel and being like, "Hey, you want us to prove that we're a god? That she's a god? Get us into the tomb." Yeah, I do like that because I feel like I feel like the doctor is working pretty much the whole time to get back to the TARDIS. Yes, in his own way. <laughs> you know, when he's not being horny for Kamika and lying about knowing Aztec culture and then proposing to her. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I love that moment so much. She comes up with her like cocoa beans and she's like, I want to give these to you. And he's like, great, I'll make us some, I'll make us some hot chocolate. And she's like, you know our customs and our ways? And he's like, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> yeah, of c- course I do, baby. Yeah, I know all about that shit. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that really improved uh, appreciate about this show is just how much the doctor talks out of his ass about literally everything yeah get used to that <laughs> <laughs> that's a good it's a good thing it's something i like about the show <laughs> if you're real bad i hated that <laughs> yeah no kidding you mentioned the ian bromance um i'm noticing a theme it's a, it's a one-sided bromance i'd say <laughs> it's a one-sided bromance yeah but i do i do enjoy how ixta is willing to be like friendly with ian while still planning on killing him. <laughs> it's like, you're you are a good man, Ian, and an honorable warrior. I can't wait to kill you one day. That's <laughs> basically the, the mentality that he has. Yeah, because like, he even has a line. He, he, he's like, you know, like I've proven that I can beat you. It's like, there's no reason we can't be friends for your last few days. And Ian is like, what? He's like, yeah, we're going to do it again. I'm going to kill you next time. <laughs> but until then, let's totally hang out, bro. Let's do squats. <laughs> Spot me, bro. (laughs) Amazing. Definitely one of the best parts of the whole arc. Honestly, (laughs) yeah. Total 360 or 180 change. Himbo Ixta. (laughs) I think every every single episode so far, I've had a note that starts with the phrase, I love (laughs) Tatoxel. And I love Tatoxel because uh, he convinced me that poisoning Barbara was a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Like Like, the priest is like, why... Would we poison Yatoxa? That doesn't make any sense. And Toxel just like thinks about it for a second. And he's like, ah, here you go. If she is the goddess, then no harm, no foul. If she's not, 
we just help expose a saboteur and saved our entire society. <laughs> Shit, bro, you're right. Let's go ahead and get her some poison. <laughs> yeah, Yitaxel has, like, good logic. He's probably, like, the first, like, real villain who's had, like, a consistent or at least, like, sensible plans. He's not like, oh, who's the bad guy in Marco Polo? Tagana. Yeah, we're just the worst plans. <laughs> I, I, I picture Tataxel just, like, in front of a chalkboard, like, with villainy 101 and Tagana's just like in a chair just like writing notes <laughs> <laughs> yeah he is significantly better as a villain i'd say speaking of the poison we'll we'll jump to that real quick when ian warns her and barbara kind of gets her way out of drinking it i feel like in that moment that they might be convinced that she is Yataxa. Because even, even uh, Tataxo, he's like, whoa, I, I, I just had to know. I just had to prove. And then Barbara is like, well, you didn't have to because I'm not Yataxa. I was like, Barbara, what are you doing? This is your leverage. But no, I had the exact same. I was like, why would you fuck yourself over like that? Why? You know this guy is trying to get you killed. You know this guy is trying to get you killed and you just gave it all away. Yeah, it... I don't know. In a less comedic sense, have you ever watched uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine? Mm-hmm. It's like that scene where um, uh, Captain Holt goes up to Jake and shows him, "Yes, I did actually. I actually broke my wrist because uh, my husband and I have been doing uh, hula hooping lessons, and I did. I do this. I've done this." He's like showing him pictures. I did this, and my personal favorite, the whoopsie doodle. It's like, oh my god, why are you telling me all this? Because no one will ever believe you, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> I feel like it has a certain thing like that where it's like, you're already telling people that I'm not Yatoxa. I guess I've got nothing to lose by telling you that. But at the same time, why are you telling him that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was mad. I was like genuinely mad when she did it. Which maybe means I'm invested in the show now. Maybe. Although, call, call me crazy, but it felt like moving forward, Tatoxel was almost a little bit cooler with her at that point. Like, it seems like he was less aggressive towards her because now he knows for a fact and he's not being lied to anymore. And and now it's more like, the, like a calculated political warfare. Yeah, that's that's how I that's how I got it. I, I read a couple of the scenes coming up as that, but. No, I, I definitely agree, because, like, he, he definitely kind of, like, uh, cools his jets later. And, like, then it's just about playing, like, just getting her out of the way so they can do what they need to do. So Yeah. It becomes way less about, like, proving she's not Yatoxa and way more about just sidelining her. Mm-hmm. Yes. Then we get to the scene with Susan, and she's told that she's going to be married to the perfect victim. It didn't involve a scream, but I'm still calling this uh, Susan Freakout Light, because... At the end of the scene, she does, like, dramatically, like, throw herself against a pillar and is, like, crying and is calling for her grandfather to come help her. Okay, yeah, there is that moment. And, it, like, it's more subdued, like, she's not screaming at the top of her lungs because somebody moved their eyes. But it's, yeah, it's just a little bit more subdued. And I can't tell whether that's this episode's Susan Freakout or not. Or if we finally had an episode where she doesn't have a freakout. I like your idea of Kona's. It's it's not a Susan freakout TM. It's a Susan freakout light TM. It's a diet Susan freakout. There was an exchange in this episode that is 
legitimately made me laugh out loud. Is, is it a coin that uh, the doctor showed Ian? Uh, yeah, Kamika gives him like a coin that her former husband had. Yeah, and a doctor shows it, uh, shows it to him, and Ian is just like, "Where did you get this?" And the doctor's like, "From my fiance." And Ian's like, "Oh, I see." Wait, what? He's like, "Oh, yes, I had some <laughs> cocoa, and then I got engaged." <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a good scene. Ian did that very well. He was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." What? Also, the doctor's the shittiest lookout I've ever seen in my entire goddamn life. Um, <laughs> because Ian sneaks into the tunnels and the doctor is supposed to stay behind as a lookout, but he's just like looking into the tunnel to make sure Ian's all right, which gives Ixta plenty of time to sneak up behind the doctor. And then again, adding to the I can that the doctor is trying to get Ian killed. He's like, oh, yes, no, I, I'm sure that stone doesn't need to be moved. I'm sure. <laughs> And he's like, oh, no, please don't do that. That would be terrible. <laughs> don't throw me in the briar patch. Because, <laughs> yeah, the whole time, Ixta is, like, sitting and moving it. I'm like, just hit him in the head. Just take your cane and hit him in the head. Or do the thumb thing. Apparently, he's got a weakness for thumbs. Do do literally anything. The science teacher can beat him. <laughs> but that's all I had for episode three. Uh, yeah. And then it does, like, that thing. Like, it's, like, weird version of cliffhangers where, like, Oh no, it's flooding. And then, spoiler, episode four is going to end with that immediately being resolved. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you about this right now, Caleb. Get used to that, because that's in almost every single episode of Doctor Who ever. Oh, I know. It's just so... <laughs> they have the cliffhanger. They have the cliffhanger that is immediately solved at the beginning of the next episode. God, I don't know why I don't like that. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of annoying, but like, just, just accept it. Breathe then move on because it's going to be happening a lot okay so we've established that there's one trope of the show that i do like which is the doctor just kind of talking out of his ass and then one i definitely don't like which is cliffhangers immediately being resolved yeah all right i guess i'll move on to the episode four synopsis sounds good the day of darkness ixta thanks the doctor for helping him kill ian but ian just manages to make his way out of the floating tunnel and back into the tomb he develops a pulley quickly enough so that the tomb door can be opened from the other side. When he makes his way out, he meets up with Barb and the doctor before going off to rescue Susan. Ixta has been put in charge of guarding her, but Ian quickly dispatches him. When the foursome are back at the, at the tomb, they try to open the door, but the leather strap for the pulley breaks. When Susan and Ian go back to the garden and make their way back up the tunnel, they find Otlock unconscious. Ian realizes it is a setup, too late, and both are arrested for attacking the high priest. The doctor convinces Kamika to help free his companions, and she agrees. Ian has to dispatch their final guard and takes his ornate garbs before he leaves. With everything falling apart, Tatoxel tries to kill Barbara, but Ian in his disguise stops him. As the group try to open the door again, Ian has a final showdown with Ixta. After killing him, the group opens the door and get back inside the TARDIS and escape at last. Before the episode ends, the Doctor is confused because some of his instruments say the ship has stopped, while others say they are still moving. It may be because they are on top of something, or perhaps inside something. So this is not one of my notes, but it's something that just occurred to me as you were doing your um, recap. Did... Ian get his first taste of blood in this episode? Uh, for formally speaking, yes. I think this is the first episode where he actually really kills someone. Yeah, is this Ian's first first kill? Well, that we know of, at least. That we know of. <laughs> I mean, 
he's able to go toe-to-toe with an Aztec warrior. Maybe he's not just a science teacher. The cinematography at the very end of, you know, Ian immediately solving the problem of the of the flooding tunnel, it's very unclear as to what the fuck is happening. Like, I know that he yep. eventually gets out and it leads out into the tomb. I get that. But, like, how they filmed that was not good uh spoiler alert man i'm not sure where this they do that literally all the time in this show <laughs> uh because like there have been multiple episodes of the show where i've been like how are they gonna get out of this and then some like weird close-up or like something where you're like what e- what even is that and i'm like oh i guess they figured it out this is going this isn't even going back to the beginning it's just a broad thing about the episode something we haven't really brought up is like is it mirrors the set design for this arc way higher than the other episodes it absolutely is my first thing with with Keys of Marinus is like, oh shit, you can actually see the outside from the TARDIS doors. They've got a budget now. The Aztecs is proof that they have a budget now. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, whoa, there are like multiple, there's like actual multiple scenes and like setting locations and mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and not four robots that work. <laughs> yeah, the rest don't. <laughs> yeah, the rest are just cardboard cutouts. <laughs> Can we all agree that uh, Ian's plan is, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Stupid. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's He's like, I'm going to take this like old leather strap and throw it over this hook and that'll help me open the stone from the other side. Now to his credit, from the inside, that door opens way the fuck easier than (laughs) on the outside. It does. And like, that's, that's the whole point. They couldn't open it from the outside. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm spitballing here. Let me just throw something out here. Um, he opens the door, doesn't close it, gets Barbara's attention, say, hey, get everyone, or vice versa, you come in here, and I'll go get everyone, and then close the door back up, bang on the wall once everybody's gathered, they open the wall back up, and then they all go into the tomb and leave in the TARDIS. Why doesn't he just leave the door open? I don't know, maybe, it seems like it closes on its own. That's how they got trapped outside. Then why not just stay inside and, I don't know, have, like, a little knocking system? Yeah, th- that's what I'm saying. Like, he opens it temporarily, says, hey, get everyone and knock on the door, and I'll let you in. Then he closes it back up. Barbara goes get goes and gets the doctor and Susan. They come back. They bang on the uh, the wall. He opens it up. They all go in, and Bob's your uncle. They leave in the TARDIS. I was going to say, but then they would have only had three or two episodes and four minutes of another one. <laughs> I guess, but just like instead his plan revolves entirely around an old rope that was found in a dusty tomb <laughs> that he really hopes that he'll be able to use to open up the door back up. Well, it's not going to break. He pulled on it really hard. Oh, well. <laughs> and as we've established, Ian is a superhuman science teacher. Um, but yes, but the plan is bad. Almost as bad as Extentatoxel's plan to frame Ian that somehow works. Yeah, I'll be 100% honest with you, Caleb. I kind of lost track of the plot at a certain point <laughs> in this episode. I kind like, I mean, I guess that says something about it, but I was losing track of, like, who believed who, who was on whose side, what each person's plan was, and how it was interacting, and I just kind of, yeah, I lost track of it. <laughs> yeah, so Tatoxel's whole plan is, is like, Ixta, you'll hit Utlock over the head with this club that we gifted Ian as evidenced by, I don't know, the fact that Ian was holding it in one episode. <laughs> um, but there's nothing, at least 
that I remember them saying that specifically indicates that this is Ian's. I want to like club experts and like, yes, I remember he was holding this one and it's got this edge here and that curve there. It's like, so this must be Ian's. But he's just like, yeah, go hit him on it. Leave this there. That, and we all know that's Ian's club. And then uh, that also somehow works, apparently. Then doesn't like Ian come down and seize the, I, what was his name again? I don't have his name down uh, my notes. Otlock. He like finds the club and the and the unconscious Otlock, and that's when the guards swarm. And Ixta's like, "Oh look, here's Ian with his club. <laughs> it's definitely his club, and he definitely attacked this priest." And everyone's not like Ixta. Why are you here? It's like don't don't worry about that. Why is Ian here? That's the real that's question. That's the real question. I'm just making sure there's no corpses in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I was here. I think how stupid that plan was, was the first catalyst of, wait, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, yeah, and it derails from there because Otlock stands up and like is only just now realizing that Ian is his supposed attacker. And then he's like, you serve false god. You serve a false goddess. And I was like, well, that's a really extreme leap in logic. No kidding. I was like, what? I was like, okay, but then in the next scene, he's talking to Barbara and... She's like, Ian wouldn't attack you like that. And he's just like, okay. <laughs> I guess I'll try and stop them being executed. Yeah. And then and then he disappears. It was, I, I missed something too, because like he has a conversation with Kamika. And then they say he's gone. He went to the wilderness and like he's like a changed man. And I'm like, changed into what? What? <laughs> Why? Like, maybe it's because he had a crisis of faith or something but like it doesn't say at any point that hey he's gone and like i will now go into the woods as i know no longer worthy of my post like it's just like oh by the way he went into the woods uh sorry you didn't say bye it, it was probably <laughs> for a good thing uh because uh, he's like rejecting your culture or whatever but yeah it's very weird my again headcanon theory is that blow of the head really did something to him <laughs> That's a solid theory, because at this point, none of his actions make any goddamn sense. <laughs> it, it, it all kind of starts to derail after this, because, like, the doctor asks Kamika for help, and she's like, yeah, for sure, I'll help, and then tries to bribe the guard, and he's, like, unsure, and he's like, I don't know if I should do this, and Ian just hits him. Well, someone had to make up his mind for him, he says. <laughs> oh, yeah, remember that? <laughs> Amazing. There was one line, I don't remember when this happens, but uh, Barbara and the doctor are talking and she says, the line, I have it quoted here. She says, I feel that all the people who have died here are watching and waiting for me to die too. And then Doctor just kind of like gives her this look that's just like, a ah, shit, she's gone native <laughs> kind of thing. I'm like, so do you, do you believe? Are you starting to believe in the Aztec cult, like culture and religion, Barbara? Are you starting to believe your own hype? Yeah, I don't know. That line stood out to me. I was like, that was a really weird thing to say. And then it never gets addressed again. Yeah. This is going back a bit in the episode, but I I love, I love, love, love the scene where Ixta is guarding Susan. And he's like, yeah, are you hoping Ian will come save you? I was like, well, he's dead. And then Ian just pops up from behind the table. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. The comedic timing is perfect. It's like Ian was just like hiding behind there when it's like, he's going to say something. He's going to say something. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> Amazing. And then I don't know, like slaps him really hard or hits his head against the table. It wasn't clear. 
the dude can be taken out by a thumb. I feel like we've established by now that he's made out of cardboard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, amazing. The best part of the episode, I think. And then when they're making their escape, the doctor's the doctor seems to have invented some sort of like weird complex machine to do the pulley thing with. I'm like, I feel this feels more complex than it needs to be. Because, mm-hmm. like, they make a point of him, like, carving out this wheel for the for the pulley system. Mm-hmm. And, like, he just, like, creates this simple machine to help with the pulling of the rope from, to open the door. And it just, it felt like a need, needlessly complex machine. Yeah, it felt complex to me. And I was also just confused by how it worked. But, I don't know. Me too. <laughs> I'm also dumb, so... <laughs> But yeah, that was interesting. I thought they were just going to go up the tunnel again, but it's fine. I'm not sure why they didn't. Well, they they had to get the thing that like that I weirdly kind of like in the episode, and that's the final showdown with Ian and Ixta. Which, um, by the way, I have the note, ends the exact same way as the Simba scar fight. It's just <laughs> missing the hyenas. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's wearing that um, like panther thing. We'll count that. They're both cat. No, well, no, hyenas are more like dogs. I don't know where I was going with that. Because he has Ian down on the ground and he like goes for the final final strike. And then he just like flips him over the side of the building and he just tumbles down to the ground and dies. But leading up to that, I don't know. I don't know what it is about me, but like, you know, (laughs) Ixa has that dramatic walk up in his garb and Ian just stands there and takes his garb off. I'm like, yeah. and then uh, um a tumbleweed goes by it's like exactly and then we just got more lumbering and then like weird grappling yeah but it was fine i had i had my moment i had my i had my moment like all the testosterone went straight to my brain (laughs) (laughs) and then they and then they did the sensible thing of like hey ix is done let's get the fuck out of here and I love it because, like, they, they do the sensible thing. They're not like, no, we have to fix it. We have to resolve all the conflict. They're like, nope, we're rolling. Nope. <laughs> and Let's haul ass. Let's get out of here. And Barbara's like, wow, that was a total shit show, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, which I did like. It ends with Tatoxel doing the sacrifice as they're materializing out. Like, oh, wow, look at that, Barbara. Hmm. You can't change history. I do like a moment when... They are back in there, and the doctor pulls out his little coin thing from Kamika and puts mm-hmm. it on the crypt and starts to walk away and goes back and grabs it. I was like, wow, the doctor's almost a person. <laughs> yeah, no, that was actually my last note, too. I, I liked that the doctor clearly clearly did share his feelings with Kamika. Um, he wasn't just deceiving and using her. There actually was, like, a genuine requital there. Mm-hmm. But that, that's the end of my notes. That is episode four. Did you have, did you have anything else no, for this episode? That, no, that's it. Any trivia that I have left over? Um, I said at the end of last episode that this was uh, Jacqueline Hill's favorite story. Can you tell why? <laughs> <laughs> is it because she's the main character? 80% of it was revolving entirely around Barbara. <laughs> this is the only story written by John Lucarotti that has visual remains uh, because he also wrote Marco Polo and he wrote 
redacted because we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Aztecs is the only one that he's that's still alive and kicking. Hmm. That's all the trivia I have. So, uh-huh. final thoughts. Final thoughts. I think upon reflection, I like it better than I thought I did. There are things that does really well. Um, a, the pacing is significantly better, right? Mm-hmm. While I really appreciate the kind of like episodic story nature of Keys of Marinus, I, I like that there's like a central thing they're trying to solve the whole time and it doesn't take for fucking ever to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think the pacing's better. I, I, I like some of the kind of the B plots and I like the fact that it's trying to reconcile the fact that they're traveling through time, at least in some of the episodes. Uh, technically all the episodes, but you know what I mean. So yeah, I think I like Keys of Marinus more. It does lose points for not having a Diani type character. So it's still going to be Keys of Marinus, the Daleks, and then probably this. Okay. That's my top three. I like the episode overall. I really enjoyed that the pacing was brought up in this la- in the last episode. I almost feel like it was too fast. Maybe I've just grown accustomed to the slower paced stories of Doctor Who. But honestly, in the last episode of this one... I was kind. I kind of lost track of what was going on. It, it does move a bit more breakneck. I think. I think the losing track of what's going on is more to do with the writing than the actual pacing, because <laughs> they just yeah. don't explain things. Because the first episode is like kind of like the typical speed, but like each episode gets a little faster, and I like that because I feel like there's a momentum to the arc. Mm-hmm. Feels like more and more shit is hitting the fan as the story goes on. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I need to say it again, but I'm going to. Uh, Tataxel was a great villain. Easily the best we've had so far. I enjoyed pretty much every scene he was in. I did really like the debate of whether it was okay to change history based on one's own personal viewpoint. I thought that was a good um, a good theme. I'm going to put my ranking as the Keys of Marinus, obviously, because I just fucking love that one. The more I think about it, the more I realize how much I love it. The Keys of Marinus, and then I'm going to put Aztecs at second. Just because, and then Marco Polo, I think, is third, if I'm remembering my ranking correctly. Just because there was less filler, there was less, there was no meandering. It was a tight, well-paced story, which puts it miles ahead of Marco Polo. Yes, and that's it for this episode, guys. If you'd like to talk to us about the show, you can find us on Twitter at at QuickTripDW. And if you'd like to talk to us in general, you can find Mac with the Twitter handle MacTheMath. And me at CLB underscore Clark. You can find this podcast on iTunes and basically every other popular podcast network. And you can find it on Mac's YouTube channel, which is Mac the Math. And join us next time on our quick trip through space and time in which we visit somewhere that is stated out loud to be in the future for the first time in the show, oddly enough, in The Sensorites. Hmm... So there's a whole bunch of sirens going on outside, and I hope that's not being picked up by the mic. I can hear it, so... Okay, cool. Beautiful. We'll just give it a second. Watch it be outside your apartment complex. Fucking probably is.
We get it. You have a siren. What is even the point <laughs> of your siren at this point? That, that just sounded... That sounds specifically antagonistic to you. It's like the guy heard you say that. And he's like, oh, yeah, I do. It's like... Okay, it's starting to fade away. Okay, I think we're good now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what was, what was I saying? When when in Rome, do as the Romans do. When in ancient uh, Aztec... Do we even say where we're at? They just say it's the Aztecs, but I don't think they say like a city name or anything like that. Oh, city, okay. Um, but yeah. When amongst the ancient Aztecs, do as the ancient Aztecs do. <laughs> I swear they brought in a second siren just to piss me off. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Did... I don't know. An ambulance just went by with its lights and sirens on, followed by a fire truck with its lights and sirens on, with Santa riding in the back. Oh, is it Santa? It's Santa. <laughs> it's, fever dream. it's the 12th. Why is Santa going by in the fire truck now? Santa's going through our complex in a fire truck. But it's the Christina 12th. I guess it's in case he has a heart attack. I'm sorry, sweetie. Go back, go back to bed. So that was fun. Anyway. <laughs> at night, uh, 8 o'clock at night, too. Perfect time to do it. Right. Um, 